Welcome back to episode two of the podcast. My name is Kate Hubble. I will be your host today and every day that you join us on the podcast. I have to start off this episode with an apology slash correction of our schedule. Um, I had intended to post at least two episodes between now and the last time that I uploaded, and as you will hear in this episode, life got real busy. So we're back. It's a month later, but we're back, and this is episode two. This is called Mimosas and Mistakes. This episode has kind of taken a different form from what I originally intended. This was all supposed to be like 21st birthday alcohol things originally, the entire episode, but I've decided to split it up into mimosas, so alcohol stuff, and mistakes. So we're going to talk about this Tinder boy that I've been seeing and all the fatal flaws (laughs) and mistakes that I've been making um, in our seeing each other. And then, so I've split up, okay, I'll back up. Mimosas and mistakes. We're going to start with all the fun alcohol stories. I have turned 21. My roommate and really close friend have turned 21. And we have all gone on a Key West birthday trip together since the last time that we've uploaded. So I have plenty of alcohol stories for you and alcohol advice that's been given to me by family and friends to share with you. And then I've created a list um, and I've coined the, the title of the list to be 10 principles of being a bad bitch. Um, And the reason that we're going through 10 principles, there's five big no-nos and five big yes, do that, that's a great idea things. Um, And I I have a mixed bag of what I've been doing with this Tinder boy. So some of these yes things I've been doing, some of the no things I've been doing. um, And I'm kind of just like in this like massive pile of hot steamy garbage where I have zero idea what the fuck I'm doing with this man. So Um, we'll get to that, but I have decided that these are things that I know people who do them. I myself have done them. I have either seen or done them myself, um, like seen it happen or done it myself. And I think they need, there are behaviors that need correcting, um, in women pursuing men or other women, or men pursuing men. Yeah, actually, fucking fuck the gender here. It does not matter, actually. I don't think these are rules that apply um, to any specific gender. The reason that I have it framed in terms of women pursuing men is because this list is actually based off of, and again, we'll get into that deeper in this episode, but this list of my 10 principles of being a bad bitch is based off of a book that I am reading called Why Men Love Bitches, which is, in fact, framed under the scope of women pursuing men or women who are heterosexual interested in men. So um, we have that limitation here, but I actually, I'm thinking about it now genuinely, and I think none of these 10 things are gender specific. So I really think that we'll have an easy time going through them. I think they're easily applicable to anybody. And I think they're just general like life rules that are good too. Some of them I think just kind of make sense for being an adult and managing your own time and schedule and self-respect. So we'll get into that and we'll get into all the Tinder boy drama that I'm feeling. And I say I'm feeling because I know he's going to listen to this and I know that this is the first part of the episode. So I don't want him to freak out thinking we have some like big issue to solve. I just have been like feeling things. So I feel like, I don't know, maybe this is my way of expressing myself to him or something because I know that he's going to listen to it. But I... Yeah, we'll get into it. I, I I think he might not love it. I think he might be a little mad. Um, 
but we'll we'll see how that goes and i will keep the rest of you updated on the next episode with the tinder boy so um so we'll start off this episode by doing a little recap where have i been what have i been up to for the last month we'll jump into our mimosas so our stories about alcohol and then we'll jump into our mistakes um and our 10 principles of being a bad bitch so then we'll look ahead at our next couple of episodes we've got the super bowl coming up we've got valentine's day coming up Um, And then we're going to do an entire episode, if I can wrangle everybody, we're going to do an entire episode at the end of February where we kind of reunite everybody that went on our little keys trip and kind of tell stories, maybe play some drinking games on the podcast, something fun like that. So I want to do like a little keys reunion anyway, because I miss all my friends already. But I think it would be fun to do it as a podcast episode and then maybe I can get them to like commit to it. (laughs) Like maybe if I'm like, hey, it's for my podcast, maybe then they'll all show up and stuff. Um, But no shade, no tea. My friends are actually good at showing up. They're just late for everything. That's what I've noticed. I am in a feisty mood, so I might be spilling more uh, tea about my friends and the people in my life than I need to. But yeah, my friends are late for everything and like super unorganized and that's okay. I love them for that because I am so not that way that it is nice to have balance. And I mean that genuinely to those of you who are listening listening, who know that that applies to you. Um, I am super punctual, super organized, but I am really making an active effort in this point in my life to be more spontaneous. So having people that are kind of like, I don't want to use the word disheveled because that makes it sound messy, but like kind of disorganized and go with the flow and way more laissez-faire, way more laid back, having those people around me, knowing that I am capable of being organized and whatever um, on my own behalf is helpful, I think. So I don't know why I brought that up, but yeah, my friends are, <laughs> they're good. They're they are reliable. They're just late. I think that was my point is they're just late for everything. So if I ask them to be here at seven, we can for sure start recording at like 830. <laughs> um, No, I'm just teasing. I love them. But yeah, so for the last month of my life, what have I been up to? I wish there was a simple answer, but it's kind of been a mixed bag of like stressful, important, exciting, fun, good, family, friends, birthdays, whatever, school, blah, 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 blah. So since the last time I uploaded, I have started my semester, started off strong. I'm taking actually a lot of like history and political theory this semester, which is really exciting because... My schedule is normally quite uh, literature heavy. I'm taking one like literature mythology class this semester that I'm really enjoying, but it's nice to have a break from like paper after paper after paper after paper after reading assignment after reading assignment. Like it's, it's my English coursework can be quite heavy at times. So having a little bit of a break and switching gears to focus more towards law school stuff is a little bit um, exciting to me. So I don't know. I'm kind of loving it, kind of like vibing with it. I I think it's been quite a successful semester so far, I would say. Um, I'm taking, I'll go through kind of the classes I'm taking um, in case you're interested. So I'm taking a Portuguese language class that's really exciting. I'm taking um, a history class called um, uh, Racism in American Society. I'm taking a political theory class, introduction to political theory. I'm taking American foreign policy, and I'm taking Gods, Heroes, and Monsters, which is like this mythology literature class. So very exciting semester, very in love with my classes. One of my professors, my political theory professor, hopefully he never, ever, ever, ever hears this. Um, And if he does, my name is not Kate Hubble and I'm not in your class, but 
um, he's low-key hot, and he's, like, Zoom hot, you know, like, has zero idea what his body or physique might look like, but he's, like, he's got, like, good face and, like, good energy, so um, definitely makes going to class Thursday mornings a little bit easier, because he's just so cute, um, but that's just me being goofy, so yeah, so classes are good. The day before my 21st birthday, I took my first LSAT ever, so my law school entrance exam is called the LSAT, if you don't know. Um, took forever, but I felt really good about it the day of. I get my scores back in like two weeks now, like from now, from when I'm recording this. So I'm a little like getting antsy as it gets closer to when I get my scores and I'm feeling a little more anxious and stuff. However, when I took the exam, the day of the exam, I felt very confident, very self-assured. So I feel like I kind of got to stick with that energy and say my... um, my gut feeling was that I did really well. So I should hold on to that, you know? Like, I shouldn't psych myself out the farther away I get a, get from the exam. And yeah, it's, it's difficult because I felt so good about it, you know, when I took the exam. And now I'm getting a little anxious. But, but, but I really do have to, like, take my own advice and not freak myself out the farther away I get from the day that I took it. So that was on a Saturday. The following Sunday was my 21st birthday. I went to a brunch with my best friend and my roommate, who is also my best friend, like another best friend. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, we, we had a good time, honestly. I, I'm not a big birthday girl. I'm not a big, like, I don't like birthday parties. I don't like this. I don't like that. I love doing it for other people, to be honest. Like, that's my shit. Like, I love that. But I don't love the attention being on me, especially for like a birthday, like, oh, wow, you survived another year. Like, what an odd way to celebrate that. I don't know. But also, I wasn't crazy, like, hype about turning 21 specifically, because I am not a big drinker. Like, I'm not like a big alcohol person. And it's not like a prude thing. It's not like a, ugh, those people drink, I could never. Like, it's literally just like not my favorite thing to do. And I am definitely still like learning my limits. So I, I, it wasn't this like huge, huge milestone for me. And I may, might be downplaying it. I was definitely excited for my birthday, but I'm not like a big birthday person. So when I'm thinking about like on paper, like what I did for my birthday, it wasn't that like extravagant. I mean, we did go to the Keys. Like we did have like a big birthday trip. So we were kind of like saving our like big baller or whatever, like birthday stuff for the Keys. But um, yeah, my actual birthday weekend was pretty low key because I, you know, I'm not crazy about like birthdays and birthday attention and all that kind of stuff. So Saturday took my LSAT. Saturday night, I saw my mom and my stepdad for dinner. It was actually really sweet. My mom embarrassed the fuck out of me by making the entire patio sing happy birthday to me um literally my nightmare literally mom if you're watching this if you're listening to this I do not forgive you for that I love you the most and that was unforgivable and you do it literally every year and I am there like signaling to the bar or to the musician guy that's like playing live music at this bar I'm like signaling to him like no like don't do it like do not sing to me right like I'm literally so uncomfortable um and he did it anyway he said fuck your feelings I'm singing happy birthday to you your mom asked me so um that was interesting loved that the most that was so fun and then Sunday we had our brunch I my first 
legal drink ever was a passion fruit margarita from American Social in downtown Tampa. Um, I, I hesitate to say that it was my first legal drink because the server did not card me. Um, do you know how frustrating that is to be like literally 21 and have no one ask for your ID? And it's funny because when I was under 21, it was like my greatest flex that I had never been carded. And I had gone out plenty with friends and coworkers and whatever in the past, literally never been carded. I always chalked it up to, I look a little bit older than I am. I carry myself for sure older than I am. And I was always surrounded by people that were well over the age of 21. And so when the bouncer got to me and I was like, oh, sorry, I don't have my ID. They were like, okay, whatever. You know, like I never had to like finesse that much to get in places or they didn't even ask and just assumed I was already over 21. So now that I am 21, I'm like ready to get carded, still not getting carded. Like, I don't know what I thought would change if they weren't going to card me when I was underage because they thought I was old enough, then, you know nothing has physically changed about my face since I turned 21. So um, I guess the same applies. The only place that has been super consistent about carding me is, in fact, Publix Liquors. Good old trusty Publix to ask for my ID and scan it into the computer and make me feel like an actual 21-year-old adult. So um, it's actually interesting too. I, I thought that this was worth, like, worth noting on the podcast because I, no one had ever said it to me before. Tinder boy actually said the last time I saw him uh, this week, he said, I like that you're 21 now. And I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, you want to go out and like do stuff and like drink and whatever. And he was like, no, 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 it's not even that. Like, it's not even about the fact that you can drink. It's just like saying like, oh, I'm seeing this girl and she's 21 sounds way different, way more appropriate than like, oh, I'm seeing this girl. She's 20. And it's like the idea is when you turn 21 and now you're in this like age group, which I don't agree, I don't necessarily agree that this makes sense, but I do agree that like culturally this is true, you know, whether I think it makes rational sense or not. Um, and I think I like disagreed with him a little bit when he said it to me because I was like, that's so weird, you know, like what, huh? That makes no sense. Um, but the more I've put thought to it, the more it does make sense is that once you turn 21, you're now in this age category of like, you're a full fucking adult where literally no one can tell you, you can't do anything. Like there's not a single thing that is illegal for you to do that because of your age, if that makes sense, other than like rent a car, which is boring and gross. Who, no, who cares about that? So now you're 21, now you're in this age group of like, I can go out and do whatever the 28 year olds are doing, you know? And so the fact that he is older than me feels less strange to him that I'm 21, I think was his point. Um, because when you're 20, it's like, oh, you're basically 18, 19, you know, you can't drink, you can go out, but like, ugh, you're 20, you know, like it's really not that big of a deal. 21 is now this age group where like you can hang with with the like adults like with the grown-ups dare I say (laughs) um so I don't know I thought that was kind of an interesting way to put it I had never heard that before and so it was quite curious to me that he mentioned like yeah I like that you're 21 now um love that for me too love that he you know feels that way as opposed to like ugh, you're still way younger than me you know I'm not well you know he's 25 it's not crazy but um But yeah, so Tinder boy mentioned that he liked that I was 21 and that's great. However, uh, no one else seems to care. And I say that because I literally was 21 for like a week straight before I got like seriously carded. Um, And actually, I think the only time someone actually like suspiciously looked at my ID was in Key West 
in Tampa, I, I've had people barely like glance at it. You know, they might ask for it, but they like barely look at it and then they hand it back to you. This guy in Key West was like straight up like analyzing my ID, like holding it up to the light, staring at it close, pulling it back far away from his face, like literally could not be more uptight about my ID specifically and just like glanced at everyone else's made me so upset that he was like he was actually really shitty to be honest this one server was like not my guy but I'm the kind of petty that to prove a point I think he was treating us shitty and giving us bad service because he thought wow a bunch of young kids in Key West at this like nice bar they're not going to tip us well so I picked up the tab and I tipped really fucking well just to like prove a point and then guess whose attitude had like a full 360 after I had already paid so it was just you know it was one of those things where I was like I don't like when people assume that just because you're young, you're reckless or irresponsible or less of a good tipper or less respect. You know what I mean? Like that bothers me actually quite a lot. So um, I had to prove him wrong in the nicest way possible. I, you know, tipping him appropriately, if not more, is not like a bad way to go about being petty. So I don't really feel guilty about it, but I was for sure petty. Um But yeah, he was the only server so far to like really fucking look at my ID, which was odd to me because we were all we were all wearing these like glittery cowboy hats that one of my friends made for us. They were fucking phenomenal. They were such a vibe, such a move. If you're going on a trip with your friends, make some sort of matching something. It is so much fun. We got so many compliments. That is like, is not on my list of like how to be a bad bitch, but is on a separate list that I am just coming up with right now off the top of my head, which is ways to have the most fun traveling with your friends. Make a matching thing. That was so much fucking fun. The hats were so cool and she made them like matching. So they were all like the same vibe, the same style kind of, but they were all different colors based on, you know, the the alcohol so it was like a cowboy hat with like an alcohol logo on the front and so each person's alcohol logo was their favorite drink if that makes sense so then the color of the hat was coordinated with the color of the logo it was really fucking cool to be honest like 10 out of 10 recommend another thing i recommend if you're doing things with friends and like traveling or whatever like any any sort of like friend thing if it's a party if it's a trip if it's a whatever jello shots fucking jello shots one they're not that hard to make i they're not that hard to make but apparently they're pretty easy to fuck up um i adopted one of my friend's techniques and have done them flawlessly the you know the time that i did them so jello shots fucking do it it's a packet of jello with a cup of water and then it's half a cup of vodka half a cup of cold water stir that shit in pour it into whatever containers you're doing and then constantly stir those containers up before you put them in the fridge to set. That's all the jello shot advice I have for you. But what I will say is those jello shots literally like they go so fast. They're not super crazy strong, so you don't get that fucked up off of one, but that makes them really like edible, you know? Like it makes them very like palatable is because they don't just taste like vodka. Um and I don't know. People love them. I don't know why people lose their shit for jello shots. I made jello shots. I don't even eat jello. Like, I don't like jello at all. I don't like jello. I don't like jello shots. But I've never seen my friends go like more wild for something that I've made. And I love to cook and I love to bake. And I, that's not to say they're unappreciative of all the other stuff. It was just these jello shots were just such a fucking vibe. And I would never have anticipated that. So that's another like golden piece of advice. Um, 
yeah, so jello shots, party hats, whatever. But oh, that's what I was going to say about this man, this waiter at this bar that I was referring to, is we were all wearing these hats with alcohol on them. And like my roommate had a birthday sash that said 20, finally 21 or something like that, or birthday girl. We were like announcing that it was our 21st birthday everywhere we went. So how intensely he stared at my ID. I was like, do you really think we'd have the audacity to like do all this to have fake IDs to hand you? Like that's so much. And you know, it's funny because I'm sure people do. You know, I've seen TikToks of people like doing the most just to get away with buying alcohol underage. But like, we're not that desperate. I don't know, like with the the group of us, we're, we're not that desperate to drink out that we would do all of that, the hats, the sash, the dressing up, the announcing it everywhere just to try and, you know, fool them with some fake IDs. Like that's so garbage. It was actually our birthday. And so for him to like take this fucking three minute look at my ID, I was like, oh my God, get over yourself, you know? Um, But he's doing his job. And like when I was a server, I carded everyone I thought was suspicious. I never looked at IDs like that though. So I guess that was just the part that that bothered me. Um, Yeah. So backing it up a little bit. So I turned 21. We had lunch. uh, We had brunch, I guess. Did not get carded. Um, I had... I'm going to kind of run through a rapid fire list of all the alcohol I've had in the last three weeks because it's been a hell of a hell of a month since I last uploaded. Um, So we started off my first legal drink ever, if we're counting it. uh, But my first drink on my 21st birthday was a passion fruit margarita. Garbage. Zero stars out of 10. It was actually disgusting. Never order it. It tasted salty and gross, but also like fake passion fruit in not a good way. Then I got a regular margarita. Then I got vodka on the rocks with two wedges of lime. Then we did a shot of tequila. We did a blowjob shot. We did another shot of tequila. I threw up in a cup, so that doesn't count as a drink, but um, a thing in a cup. Gross. That's my shining moment is literally vomiting at a table in public into a glass. Disgusting. We'll never be doing that again. Did it once, been there, done that, you know, got my weird puking story for my adult life out of the way. And then that was it. So then um, Tuesday night, Monday night after my birthday, I was supposed to see my parents at the casino. Um, But our dog, my childhood dog, was actually, like, really going through it. She was not doing well and, like, very close to passing away. So uh, my parents rescheduled with me, as they should. Uh, Was not salty about it, actually, whatsoever. But the day was redeemed a little bit. I got to see Tinder Boy that night, which was fun. And then... Tuesday night, I went out to this rooftop bar with my with my bestie girl, and the drinks there were phenomenal. Oh my god, cannot recommend this place enough. It's called M Bird. It's on the top of Armature Works if you live in Tampa. It is phenomenal. Their thing is like rum, I guess. I mean, they have everything, beer, wine, vodka, tequila, whatever, but they have like so many different types of specialty rum. Um, so I guess if you're not a rum drinker, cause I know some of my friends aren't, aren't crazy about rum, not your place, but, uh, the vibe, the atmosphere, the view, oh my God, it was phenomenal. And it's Florida in the middle of January. So the weather is beautiful to be outside at night. Um, so we did that. That was really fun. And there we had this like passion fruit, banana, like caipirinha, essentially, if you don't know what a caipirinha is, it's like a, 
a cocktail from Brazil that gets made with a Brazilian type of rum called cachaça, made out of Brazilian sugarcane. Um, and they had a cachaça that I'm familiar with. My stepmom and her family are from Brazil, so I'm, I'm very familiar with cachaça with caipirinhas and like what's traditional and blah, 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 whatever. So they had a cachaça I was familiar with. The drink was phenomenal. It was beautiful too, like the presentation and everything. Definitely like bougie bar, definitely not like college vibes, but um, was a really nice experience. I also, they had a house shot there that was like the most drinkable alcoholic beverage I've ever had ever, if we can even call it a beverage because it was a shot, but it was grenadine and pineapple flavored, or not pineapple, passion fruit flavored vodka, and it was so good. Oh my gosh. Um, we I had vodka with lime. I had, what else did I have? Oh my gosh, I forgot to say this. I had a boozicle for the first time in my life. It was an alcoholic popsicle. Um, and the guy came over, I felt like such an asshole for doing this, but I couldn't stop myself. Like, I just thought it was so funny that I couldn't like hold back. The guy comes over, I ask him about the boosticles. It says on the menu, like different flavors every day, ask your server. So I'm like, Hey, what's the deal with the popsicles? And he says, I have a tequila punch or I have chocolate vodka. And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there a few drinks in. Um, I'm a lightweight, so I'm already tipsy. My friend is staring at me like, don't do it. And I'm just giggling. I'm like, chocolate vodka? How creative. You know, I wonder what that conversation looked like with your chef in the back. Like, hmm, we should do a chocolate popsicle. How how inventive and creative. Hmm, what alcohol could we put that? Hmm, vodka? Like, I just, I cannot imagine how boring that conversation was. And I'm saying all of this in front of the server to my friend, kind of like shitting on this vodka chocolate popsicle thing and then he's like well do you want one of the two like do you want anything can I order one for you or are you just like curious about it and I was like you know what after all that I really feel like I gotta order the chocolate vodka so I ordered the chocolate vodka it was phenomenal it was great I couldn't taste the vodka at all it was just like a little hint of like that like warm tingly feeling when you swallow you know um but it was just a chocolate popsicle it was like really easy very very good and so yeah, so that was Tuesday night at Embird um, on top of Armature Works, which was beautiful, even though I was an asshole to the server. And yeah, I mean, it. <laughs> I want to say it was only downhill from there, but downhill, I guess, would be subjective because I had a great time. Um, things just got progressively less classy as time went on. And I say not less classy in like gross, trashy, disgusting, but like Embered versus Acropolis, which is where we went on Thursday, not the same vibe. So Acrop is way more like college party. We f- went to like a frat pregame kind of vibe, like definitely a different energy. Um, and the drinks were gross. Like it wasn't like good, like it wasn't like cocktails. It was like vodka poured on ice with some like Gatorade type shit on top. Like it was not, it's like that kind of energy. So that was Tuesday. Wednesday, I went out to dinner with a friend, had a huge margarita and um, tacos and something like, like, yeah, some taco situation. And then Thursday was Acrop and the frat party. So that was that kind of like college bar gross vibe. Got drunk that night, but like not fun drunk, like was like not feeling well kind of drunk. So that wasn't great. Um, and then Friday, I forget what we did, but Saturday, then I threw a surprise party for my roommate for her birthday, which was on Sunday. So we had people here, we played beer pong and games and had lots of food and I bought her a cake and I bought her 21 presents and like all this stuff for her 21st to make it really, really special. And it seemed like she really liked it. So I'm happy. That's all I really wanted was just to make her birthday really special. And then Sunday was her birthday. Monday, I saw Tinder boy again and he and I took 
tequila shots, he will definitely correct me on that because we did not take tequila shots. I took a single shot of tequila and he took tequila shots, plural. So, um, which was also fun. I felt like that, you know, we'll get into this in the second half of the episode. We'll get into more of the Tinder boy, bad bitch tips and all that kind of shit. But, um, the, the tequila shot night was definitely a different vibe. That was definitely really fun. Um, and not that, not that things are heavy when I see him, but definitely like a lighter energy, which is hard for me because I think I take things really seriously. Like I am one, I'm not, I'm, I think I'm funny now (laughs) and I'm trying to be spontaneous now. And, you know, I'm learning all these things though, but there it's, it's an active effort to learn to be less serious and to be more lighthearted and to, you know, these are active things that I'm doing. And I don't think people around me realize that, which is okay. But um, it is not in my nature to be like goofy and funny and silly and lighthearted. Like I, I am, I am a serious person at heart. And so that night was just really fun and like, I don't know, different energy. We liked it. So um, then that Tuesday, I saw an, a fr- my friend, one of my friends again. And then Wednesday night was the night before my flight to Key West. Yes, we flew. It was a 45-minute flight. It was ridiculously short, but actually so worth it. Um, It saved us driving eight hours, and like I don't do well in cars, and I don't want to drive for that long, and neither does my best friend. So the two of us flew while the rest of our group drove, um, and they were fine in the car, it sounds like. So it worked out well. But the night before my flight, I could not sleep to save my life. So that was you know, the last three weeks of my life. And then every night in Key West, obviously, um, I have, I, we went out and we were drinking and, um, getting quite, uh, inebriated. So that was all of our, like, kind of alcohol catch up. We've got the 21st birthday, the trip to Key West, everything in between. And now we're at kind of the halfway point of our episode. We're, we're getting close to 30 minutes. So I want to talk about these 10 principles of being a bad bitch. And I want to talk about kind of where they're coming from because I have been feeling myself having maybe potential feelings for this Tinder boy. And so what I'm doing right now this week lately is like self-correcting and I'm not doing it very well, to be honest, I, but I'm trying um, and snapping back into my bad bitch mode because there's actually zero chances that he has real feelings for me. So um can't fall into the like quicksand that is having un like reciprocated feelings so we're just gonna snap back into being a bad bitch and stop giving a fuck what people think so the first five are big no-nos the first so the first five we're gonna go through in just a second and then the second half of the list six through ten are all yes these are things you should do and or should increase doing if you're already doing them so that's kind of where this is coming from i like tinder boy i don't want to like him But there are certain things that have happened in our dynamic um, that I would argue have put me in a position to like him somewhat out of my control. Obviously, I decide how I feel about things. I have autonomy and I am emotionally intelligent enough to know that. But I do feel like there are some things between us that have like contributed to me liking him. Um, But what I will clarify right now is... I talked about all the things that I'm referencing, all these like things that I think he does that um, have made me like him. I talked about all of them over the Key West trip in the last like week or so with all my guy friends. Um, so I have kind of pulled my guy friends from the ends of the earth and they're all very different and they all operate very differently with women. And so I get quite a diverse pool of advice from my guy friends. Um, 
but all of them seem to be in like a general consensus that these things that I was reporting back to them are like indications that he likes me. I argue to today, right, all the way until now, recording this, I would argue that none of these are signs, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna list off the things that I think are signs that he likes me, or that my friends think are signs that he likes me, but I would argue that none of them are indications that he likes me, and all of them are indications that he's actually just a nice guy, um, and has zero romantic interest and actually likes being casual. The other part of me that is pulling me in that direction of he doesn't like you, but he's a nice guy, um, which is fine, just to be clear, this is not me complaining, totally cool with that, and that is actually what I signed up for, so, like, not mad about it. He's not doing anything wrong. Um, but the other side of that is that he looked me in my face and said, Kate, um, I will not be your boyfriend. And granted, that was like a month-ish ago now. Um, but when a man looks you in the face and he says, Kate, I will not be your boyfriend, I feel like I am forced to believe the words coming out of his mouth rather than my guy friend's interpretation of his behavior. And I say that because very, very infrequently do I have a situation with a guy where they are actually being like straight up with me about what they want. And so I feel as though he has been pretty straight up and we have been on the same page until now, until me developing feelings because we haven't talked about it yet um, because he doesn't know until right now listening to this, which is disgusting and gross and we hate that for me Um, because fuck feelings. But I, you know, we have been on the same page and we have, he has been so direct with me um, about where he's at. And I think that I have also been quite direct with him about what I want. Now, I did say first that I absolutely do not want a boyfriend. My guy friends in my life are arguing with me that because I said that, he said the I will not be your boyfriend thing to be on the same page with me, to emulate my energy. Um, But since he has said that, since then, literally chronologically, things have happened that my friends have argued would indicate that he has feelings. Again, I am going to stick with, there's like a 70-30 split in my being. 70% of me believes that when he looked at me in the face and said, I will not be your boyfriend, that that was the truth and that that's how he really feels and that he likes being casual, but he's a nice guy. And so he treats me with respect and dignity and me liking him is just me fabricating feelings on my own. The 30% of me that believes otherwise is the 30% of me allowing myself to be convinced by my friends that maybe there's a chance that the things that they're saying are true, that the their analysis of his behaviors are right and they do actually indicate that he likes me. The funny part about all of it though, and I'm giving you this all as context for my 10 principles of being a bad bitch because after this, we're cutting that emotional shit out. We are not doing it. We are not doing it. I promise that's a period. We do not bend over backwards for a man. We do not beg them for anything. We do not ask more than once. These are like principles of being a bad bitch. None of those are on the list, by the way. Those are just like, you should know that. Like, so I just like, after this little spiel that I'm giving, no more emotions. Like we can't do it. But I will be going through this list telling you all my mistakes with each of these things. 
Um, so you can learn from my kind of fumbling the bag on this one. And I really do think I have fumbled the bag on this one. I will tell you why I do not think there's any chance that he likes me, um, because of these 10 steps that I've fucked up, but I have compiled these 10 steps. So y'all don't fuck up. Are you ready? So we're going to get into it. 10 principles of being a bad bitch, but just to clarify on the Tinder boy situation, literally 70% of me believes that he's just a nice guy treating me with dignity and respect. And that's great. 30% of believe. 30% of me believes, hmm, maybe there's something else to it. To be quite frank, and I know he's hearing this, not a conversation I'm ready to have. And definitely not a conversation I'm ready to have face-to-face because I do not have enough feelings to know how to articulate what they are, but I have enough feelings to be aware that they're there, if that makes any sense to anyone. Um, My friends understand what that means, so hopefully those of you out there listening to this kind of get that concept of like I am noticing feelings but I am they're not strong enough for me to know exactly what they are um which hopefully is a little less intimidating and scary to him because I don't want him to like sit here thinking I'm madly in love with him when I literally am not you know I have not known him long enough to feel that way but I am feeling like maybe casual isn't the word to describe what I'm feeling and so that's kind of as far as it goes but let's get in finally to our 10 principles of being a bad bitch so number one No chasing a man. Never chase a man. Absolutely no chasing a man. Have you seen those TikToks? And if you're not on TikTok, then I guess the answer is automatically no. But you might have seen them reposted on Instagram or Twitter or something that's like, I would never chase a man. But for this man, I might might jog a little, right? None of that. Not even a jog, not a fast walk. We do not chase a man ever. And the reason for that is that when you first meet a man if he actually likes you if he actually gives a shit and this is all by the way this is all referenced from the book by sherry argov i want to give credit where credit's due sherry argov's book why men love bitches and she lays out a hundred attraction principles in her book these 10 are loosely based off some of the thematic elements of those 100 Um, so i've condensed them into things that i think are most useful for modern dating And I'm going to go into, at the end of this episode, a little bit of a spiel about modern dating and why I think these steps are important, but why I think we have fallen away from doing these things. So we'll get into that too. That's more of like a deeper philosophical conversation about dating. But so the first one, no chasing a man. We don't do it. One, because when you meet a man and he actually likes you, or even if he just wants sex, here's the fun fact. Even if they just want sex, right in the beginning, men who like you and men who just want sex are exactly the same in this one way. They are willing to do more to impress you than at any other point in the relationship. And that's because they just met you. They want to win you over. They want to sweep you off your feet. It makes them feel masculine to pursue you. And so to be pursuable, you cannot be pursuing them. It doesn't work, right? It, it, think about like the Lion King. Fuck. Okay. Think about the Lion King. If a lion is chasing after a Giselle and the Giselle turns around and starts running at the lion, she's going to get eaten alive. Like it's not, it does not work. The lion will absolutely take advantage and he's not going to run away from you and have fun. He's going to bite your fucking head off. So um, not that men are going to like fucking murder you for chasing them, but you literally ruin the game for them it becomes not fun. <laughs> like the, and they like the chase so much that when women chase men, it becomes unattractive. It seems needy. It seems dependent. 
these are never adjectives we want to describe us um, in the dating world. So the next thing is actually a smaller thing, but is actually more important to me than never chase a man. And it's never change your schedule for a man. So I'm going to give you an example. And this is an example um, based off of an example given in the book. If I have a yoga class every Tuesday at 7.30 and Tender Boy asks me to hang out at 8 o'clock on Tuesday, I'm going to say no. You want to know why? Because I have a thing going on that would interfere with the timeline of when he wants to see me. My thing that I have had scheduled for a month is more important to me than your last minute, hey, can I see you tomorrow at 8? And so... This works in two ways. One, it works to reinforce how much you respect yourself. So it's a dynamic between you and you. It also is a dynamic between you and them. And this is important because it establishes, hey, I'm not going to bend and snap and roll over for anyone. I am going to maintain my own life because the things that are important to me are important to who I am as a person. So this is bad bitch advice number two. Never change your schedule. If you have something planned with the girls, go with the girls. If you have something planned and you would rather see him and it's a thing where he's asking you a week in advance and you can change it around, do it. Don't tell him that you're doing it though. You never want a man to think you're too available. And so that's an interesting, you know, It's an interesting concept because you would think that people want people in their lives that can like always be down and can be flexible and can like bend and change their schedule to make time to see them. But men actually find it more attractive the less available you are. So when someone hits you up and you say, actually, sorry, I can't that night. I'm busy. How about this night or this night? And you give them like a couple of options, not like, oh, I'm free all next week. Like you need to maintain that you have a life because you do. So Um, When you do that, men actually go, oh, wow, you know, I am not the center of her world and they like that. So um, and it's also important for self-respect. That's one thing about this book that I would like to to get across is this book is mostly about dignity and self-respect. It's not a lot about manipulating men into, um, you know, into liking you. It's about respecting yourself enough to be desirable to them, to be honest. So the first one, no chasing a man. Second one is no changing your schedule. And this is, this is one where I'll share a little bit of a fuck up of mine is I think with Tinder boy, I have made myself seem too available or too reliable and maybe should spice it up by saying no to him every once in a while. But the problem is when I ask him to hang out just as much as he asks me to hang out, it's kind of like shitty to be like, no, sorry, I can't. Also, we have like a consistent, like I see him on Monday nights. So like, am I going to pretend like all of a sudden I'm busy on Monday night? Like, no, I'm not. So like, yeah, (laughs) yes, I'm free. And yes, I want to see you. But the thing about this, like no changing your schedule thing is the reason I say I fucked up with this a little bit is he was literally here laying in my bed and he looked me in the face and said, yeah, I love how available you are. And I literally thought I was going to vomit. When I tell you, like, I literally thought I was going to vomit. I literally thought I was going to vomit. And I corrected him and I said, I think what you meant to say is I'm quite flexible. Meaning, if I have a thing going on, often the things that I do in my life and my schedule are movable. So if I, like, had a thing I was planning on doing Monday night and you asked me to hang out, I might say, oh, I was going to do this. But yeah, I can hang out Monday and, like, do that, like, another time. Like, I'm not changing my schedule per se because it's not things that are, like, hard you know, times or appointments or anything like that. My school's all online and all of what I do is remote. So I have, I have a a great deal of flexibility in my schedule. 
but I was offended. I was like deeply offended that he called me available because I was like, actually, no way. Like, you don't know how many guys have hit me up this week and I've said, no, I'm doing a thing. Like, I will never cancel plans with friends for a boy. I will, you know, like there are things I will never do. So, but something about my behavior or the way I was making plans with him was making him feel like I was always available. And so it it was just, I don't know, it was an interesting moment. So I think I kind of fucked up with him with that one. So this, the third one is one that I actually think is relatively easy because we live in this like women empowering women era. And I, I think with the like th- wave of feminism right now that's happening, I don't think that this is something that's, I, or I would hope that this is something that's less common. So um, no never don't even think about it do not ever be threatened by another woman in front of a man and the reason i say that is because as soon as you become threatened by her he will assume that she is more attractive than you are and i know that sounds stupid but in the book a quote that i actually really like from her from sherry argov is she writes What's the easiest way to make a woman who's a 6 out of 10 look like a 12 be threatened by her? And that is such poignant advice. Like, it is crazy to me, but it is true that when you are threatened by someone, your partner or the person you're with is automatically assuming, hmm, well, she's threatened for a reason, right? So that person must have something that my person is jealous of and therefore that other person must be desirable in some way. And you basically put it on their mind for them. So we're not doing that. This is not one that I can own up to because I literally don't fucking do that. Like I am not threatened by other women. I live by this philosophy and maybe y'all can adopt this if it helps you, but I live by this philosophy that literally, literally, if the person is with you, it's because they want to. And the only reason I say that is because I try never to create a sense of obligation in the people that I'm with. I don't ever want someone to feel like they have to be doing a thing with me just because I want them to. I want people in my life who want to participate with me. And so, yeah, so I, I, I and with that comes such a secure attachment style and such a lack of jealousy. And that's not like a feather in my own cap, but really like I have worked hard to have a secure attachment style and a lack of jealousy because I think they're some of the most unattractive traits in others. So the next one is, oof, this is this is when I fucked up big time. So this is number four, no letting him in on your tricks or tactics. And the reason I say that is because even if they are well-intentioned, he will feel outsmarted, emasculated, and manipulated. And the reason I say that is from direct experience. So the first time I went to hang out with Tinder Boy, I texted him this thing, and it's a strategic thing that I text everyone when I ask them to hang out, um, not to make him not feel special, but it really, because it's about my safety, and I'll explain. So I texted him, I want you to come over, but I'm nervous, and he said, and guys usually respond this way, to be honest, um, he said something along the lines of like, oh, what can I do to make you less nervous? And then I think he suggested himself, do you want to FaceTime? And in my head, I was like, Bingo. Exactly. Right. And so the reason I do this, I want you to come over, but I'm nervous is because guys address it in one of two ways. One, they do a, why are you nervous? How can I help? Or two, they like make it worse. And then like big red flag, like cut them off, like don't hang out with them. But when they say like, why? Then I do like a, you know, Tinder can be scary or Instagram or DMs can be scary or whatever, blah, 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 whatever. You know, like I'm an innocent, cute girl that's scared. And the truth is I'm not ever scared for real. 
but I am cautious with people. And so this is like a an identity check, to be honest, because when I say I'm nervous, they usually ask how they can help. And then I usually say, hey, do you want to FaceTime for a bit? Just make sure it's not weird. And then, but in my head, right, I'm thinking I'm trying to make sure this person isn't psychotic, isn't weird, but also is who they say they are, um, that they look the same as their profile, that they aren't weird or aggressive with me on FaceTime. So, but I did the same thing with this Tinder boy and he, I don't want to say he fell for it because I wasn't trying to trick him, but he feels like he fell for it. Now, the dumb part is that I let him in on it, right? If I had just done it and left it and FaceTimed, like, and he FaceTimed me and he came over and, you know, like, everything went well and went according to plan, I think for both of us, on both of our ends, like, he made me feel better in his eyes, so he came over. I knew that he was who he said he was, so I invited him over. We had fun together. But as he was leaving, he said a thing that was like, oh, like, you're not as innocent as I thought you were. Like, you're not as much of a nice girl. Like, when you texted me, like, oh, I want you to come over, but I'm nervous. Like, I thought I had a totally different impression of you. And I was like, oh, that's kind of like a thing I do. And I like let him in on it. And I explained like, oh, it's for my safety, like blah, 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 whatever. But since then, he has like thought of me as calculating and manipulative and kind of like outsmarting him in this one way. And like, it makes him feel, I'm sure it makes him feel emasculated and I don't want to say uncomfortable because we do have we still hang out and have a good dynamic and stuff but like has definitely changed the vibe like definitely I put way too many cards on the table and said oh fuck this is how smart I am and these are my tricks holy shit I'm so sorry you know like I let you see that um so that's one thing if you're gonna do any of these like little things to like and we'll talk more about the little the little tips and tricks and stuff like that next week in our like dating dating episode um But if you're going to use any like tips or tricks from me, from a book, from Call Her Daddy, from whatever, from anyone that you watch or consume um, advice from, don't tell them, which sounds like no brainer advice. But I thought my like honesty and authenticity and the fact that I was coming from a place of like, I want to make sure I'm safe. I thought that would be enough for it to be like excusable. But he did still really feel like I was calculating and kind of like takes a second glance at like my texts and stuff like we've talked about it since. So that's a fat L for me. We love that. Uh, the fi- the fifth big no-no is no compromising yourself ever. And so what Sherry Argov distinguishes in the first like introductory chapter of this book is that there's a difference between the pejorative use of the word bitch and her use of the word bitch. And ultimately her definition is accumulated in this one like thought, which is you never compromise what you want or who you are for a relationship or for a man. So that's no-no number five. And I think that goes without saying that's kind of like each of these contributes to that vibe. So now our five things you should be doing um, and and or are like good things to be doing despite common misconception. So the first one is yes, be feminine. And I say that not because ideas of masculine and feminine are important to I don't know, like it, it is it's a, it's absolutely a social construct, but um I guess maybe it should be phrased as, yes, don't be afraid of appearing feminine, right? Like, yes, do that if that's who you are. If that is your vibe, I think don't be afraid to express that because your power is just as strong as the more aggressive type of woman or even a man. So I I think that's the point here that we we should note with this like femininity thing. Number seven is yes, 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 be appreciative of what he does for you, even if it's small things. Men like to feel appreciated. They like to feel needed. They also really like to feel valued. So one of the big pieces of advice 
from this book that I've been sharing with my friends because it's super simple is if he offers, let him. Um, so this is one where I've kind of fucked up with Tinder boy is he has offered several times to like bring me alcohol or like food or like dinner or whatever. Like he's offered to do stuff and I like turn him down. I absolutely know how it affects his like feelings of masculinity and like I think that he would love it if I would be like yeah actually could you bring me dinner and then he got here and I was super like appreciative and nice and not that I wouldn't be appreciative and nice on my own but I think he would love that dynamic I just he comes over at 9 30 at night and I've already eaten dinner and I'm not hungry and I'm too practical to like allow him to do it even when it doesn't make sense just for the allowing him to do it thing but I need to be better about that like I definitely like if a man offers let him if he offers to pick you up if he offers to take you to dinner like don't ask for stuff like don't be like hey do you want to take me here but like if he offers let him I think that's simple advice I think that's good number eight is yes 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 stroke his ego so in the book she actually goes through small things that women do that stroke the male ego and I think it's really interesting because there are things I never would have thought of like behaviors I never would have been aware enough of to say like oh yeah that makes him feel like a man like that makes him feel manly and masculine but like for example like I don't know if you're like opening a bottle of wine like let him open it and pour your glass like um, if it's late at night and you need to walk walk your dog be like hey can you come with me it's dark and I'm scared if he's spending the night and you hear like a noise in the night and normally you would just go get up and check it go like wake him actually scared and let him check it you know like let him make sure the door's locked let him check your apartment to make sure nothing is going on so those are like little small ways to stroke his ego we'll get more into that next week because that I think falls way into the like detailed dating advice and stuff but stroking his ego does not mean compromising your power and I think that's one thing is like I don't need to stroke any man's ego was my gut reaction when I read that but I was like you know what? Like, it's literally something that doesn't matter to me. You know, like, opening a jar, opening a bottle of wine, walking a dog. Like, so to include him in those things and make him feel, like, masculine and manly and, like, good about himself, like, that's such a small, like, effort that I could be putting in to make him feel masculine, him, any man, you know? Um, So number nine, we're getting to the end of our list and then we're going to wrap it up by talking about next week. I'm also going to give a little bit of a dating spiel because I think we need it. Um, number nine is yes pull back when he does something that bothers you and I don't mean like oh he cut his fingernails at a weird angle I mean like he did something like rude or disrespectful or like something that you you know is a is a red flag or a hard pass for you and so the reason I say pull back and not address it is because men don't respond to words the way they respond to actions. And so if he does something that bothers you and you just like distance yourself a little bit, you just pull back, you just like see him less. Um, and not in like an obvious, like I'm giving you the silent treatment thing, but just literally just see him less often or give him less attention. Just pull back a little bit with your effort. Um, he'll notice that quicker than literally if you say it to his face, which is ridiculous to think about, but is unfortunately true about men. So Um, And then number 10 is yes, communicate directly and precisely. So men communicate with each other in a very concise, to the point, matter of fact, quite frank, quite blunt manner. When women emulate that style of communication, men feel more comfortable. I I wouldn't say opening up because I don't know that men ever feel comfortable opening up, but they have an, uh, an easier time expressing themselves because they feel like you speak the same language. 
when women speak the way that I've been speaking on this podcast, for example, in long discursive sentences about their feelings and emotions, men don't identify with that at all. And I think that's part of the reason I don't want to have this conversation with Tinder Boy about like, hey, like I might maybe have potential feelings like yes that's so fucking insignificant and it should be such an easy conversation to have but I don't know how to have that in like a concise direct way that like makes sense because I am still so like confused in this gray area of like I still like am cool being casual but like would like to know what's going on but then also would not like to know what's going on because ew rejection terrified of that so it's difficult, right? And I know that I won't be able to communicate it in an articulate, concise manner. And so I think that's why I'm afraid of having the conversation is because I confuse myself just talking about it. And so obviously he'll be confused if we talk about it. But um, hopefully it's been presented in this podcast in a way that makes sense. But the thing I wanted to talk about in a larger dating contest, so we have our like 10 things, right? I'll, I'll rapid fire them one last time before I kind of close out the list and go into the next thing, but no chasing a man, no changing your schedule, no being threatened by another woman, no letting him in on your tricks or tactics, and no compromising yourself for him ever. Yes, be feminine. Yes, be appreciative. Yes, stroke his ego. Yes, pull back when he bothers you. And yes, communicate directly and concisely. So then my little spiel is, I was thinking about it, I've recorded this episode a couple times now at different periods throughout the last month, um, and Tinder Boy comes up every time, and it's stupid, because at this point in time, I'm talking about him, I'm, you know, flirting with this idea of maybe I might have feelings, and can we talk about how, like, wishy-washy and insignificant that is? Like, should be such an easy conversation to be like, hey, maybe, like, blah, 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 whatever, right? And he'll probably be like, if you're cool with what we're doing, I'm cool with what we're doing, like, We can talk about those feelings if they get stronger. That's probably what he's going to say, right? But I am so terrified to have this conversation with him that the way he's going to find out is listening to this episode of the podcast, which is ridiculous. I remember being in first grade, being seven years old and walking straight up to the boy I liked and saying, I like you. Do you like me back? And he looked me straight in the face and he said no. And I said, okay. And then the next day at school, I decided I liked another boy more. And I went straight up to that boy and I said, I like you. Do you like me back? And I think he still said no. But that like eight-year-old me was so unafraid of someone saying no that I just fucking did it. And I had all the way through all my years of school, many friends and many guys interested in me. And that's not a flex, but it my directness did me well because I think men find women quite confusing. And so I know that in this moment, I am failing at that directness with him, Tinder boy. But I miss that like confidence I had when I was literally fucking eight years old, like walking straight up to the boy that I liked and saying, I like you do you like me back? And like literally not even feeling an ounce of fear at his reaction. And I was the, I was the friend in in elementary school and middle school to be like, just fucking tell them you like them. Like, what is this stupid game you're playing? Like at like 12, like where did that energy go? Who have I become? I don't know. Honestly, I have no answers to, to counter that. But my theory is, I don't know why I'm like this, but I have a theory as to why I'm like this. And it's, I have a theory as to why I'm like this, but I think my theory applies to more than just me. I think that because dating and communication, period, has become so fucking easy and simple with social media and dating apps and just everything online, texting, all of it, because it has become so simple, so easy to meet people with that like you 
without ever having to say I like you. Like, let's talk about, can we talk about Tinder? Let's break it down, right? You're swiping left, you're swiping right, and within half a second, you're telling this person, I like you, I don't like you, I like you, I don't like you. You never have to look at the person you don't like and say it to their face. And the person that you like, you only have to communicate with them. You only get the chance to communicate with them if they like you back. What a low-risk interaction. So we've all become major fucking pussies, unable to communicate our feelings and articulate how we feel with each other because things like Tinder and Bumble and Hinge and Instagram and Snapchat have literally taken us humans, our communication and our feelings out of the equation. They've made it simple, as simple as left or right, yes or no. And now we are so unused to communicating our feelings with each other, or at least I am. I can speak only for myself, but I see it in my friends too. We've become so unused to communicating our feelings to each other that the concept of looking at someone and saying, hey, I might like you. Where, where are you at? What do you feel? And like, these are things that you've done that make me feel that maybe you like me. Am I reading into that wrong? Can we be on the same page? That should be such an easy, simple conversation. And yet I'm literally over here in my bedroom shitting bricks. So like, let me know. Um, the only solution I have for now is to get back on my bad bitch shit, have the conversation with him when he listens to this. Uh Oh, but other than those two things, I fuck if I know what to do, to be honest. But that's all that's my spiel my spiel is just 10 things 10 ways to be a bad bitch 10 principles of being a bad bitch and then there's this i think there's this element of articulating feelings that has been completely eliminated from the equation of like modern online social media dating stuff i think that there's this like articulating how you feel that has been completely lost in translation when we made dating as easy as tinder and bumble and and I think we've lost that like when you hear old people talk about like oh back in back in my day it was never like that you know you had to pick up the phone and call it's like my parents don't even know who I'm seeing not because I'm hiding it from them but because tomorrow I could get ghosted or tomorrow I could ghost them and then it's insignificant and then they're going to be asking me like oh how's xyz person you were talking to and I'll be like oh I stopped talking to them weeks ago you know, whereas in my parents' day, it wasn't like that. Like, I mean, I'm sure they had breakups and, like, ghosting and whatever in their own, in their own form, but it was way more communicative. It was way more direct, and it's funny. Like, I hear my dad, who I think of as being, like, quite, like, chill and goofy and funny. Like, I hear these kind of, like, dorky stories about him, like, telling girls that he liked them or asking them on dates and, like, over the phone with his, like, mom listening on the other end. And, like, it sounds so, like, 80s to me that I can't relate to it. But it's absolutely a more communicative, more honest, more direct way of dating. And I, I, it's not that I, like, resent Tinder, but I resent Tinder for making it too easy. For me saying, I like you, you like me, and not even ever even having to, like, say that. Um, so that's my spiel. That's my little rant. That's my TED talk for today. We did mimosas. We had mistakes. Um, and so these are the two things we talked about today. So we're going to be kind of transitioning into talking about dating and Tinder next week. So that's what our next week's episode is. Um, I don't know what we're calling it exactly, but it's some dating, some Valentine's Day, like preparatory theme right so something in in anticipation of valentine's day dating ideas valentine's day ideas tips tricks uh do's and don'ts for valentine's day i think will also be important like if you've only been seeing each other for a month like don't buy him a rolex like don't do it you know not that you were going to i hope (laughs) um but 
yeah, so we'll do that for our next episode. I'm actually quite excited. The episode after that is going to be like a Valentine's Day roundup. So like I actually don't have plans for Valentine's Day. I'm going to be finding plans or a date soon. Um, and I might be taking to Tinder on our next episode to do that, to find me a Valentine's Day date. That might be the vibe. Um, but I also might do stuff with like girlfriends. So I, fuck if I know. Um, that should be the new drinking game for this podcast is take a shot every time in an episode you hear me say, fuck if I know. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't really have any plans. So we might be like making my plans on the next episode. I think that might be fun. And if we do that, it'll be the first episode that actually has like video with the audio. Um, so you'll be able to like see me swiping and commenting and et cetera, et cetera. So that's going to be pretty fun. I think you guys are going to enjoy that. And then the week after we'll do like a Valentine's Day recap, hopefully with some like wine and strawberries with the girls or something like do like a little late Valentine's Day dinner or something and record an episode of the podcast. Um, again, take all of that with a grain of salt because obviously it took me <laughs> a month to upload this episode, but I'm glad we're finally here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tinder boy, I'm sure you have um, some shit to text me don't maybe a thought just kidding no i'm kidding um i also had a bunch of my family and friends send in like alcohol related stories and advice i would like to address that little by little i'm kind of going to save those stories and stockpile them and and bring them out when necessary because i also think especially for my brother and his girlfriend i i really want them to tell their own stories because i don't think i do them justice Um, so if you're listening, guys, I love you the most and I did not interview you for no reason, but I am keeping that shit in the vault for when it's a better time to tell those stories. So today's episode, Mimosas and Mistakes, thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, um, thank you for tuning in. Get ready for next week's episode. It's going to be Tinder. It's going to be dating advice. It's going to be Valentine's Day ideas if you want to hear it. Um, so that's what we've got planned. I'm looking forward to the next one and thank you for listening.